Are you tired of the same routine of studying the Bible? We both agree it's time for a change. Hi, I'm Josh, your host. And I'm Aaron, your co-host. All right, the Bible, you know of it, we know of it, but how deeply do we understand it? Today, we're going to be taking a look into Ruth, well, chapter one, and then then we'll see. Yeah, we might have a treat for you guys. Um, We started with chapter one, and then we just kept reading and studying and reading and studying, and it's, yeah, we got... We got a surprise, so stick with us. Uh, if you want to use the same tools that we do, uh, we use Logos, which is available at logos.com. That's L-O-G-O-S. And uh, we read from the following translations. God's Word, a New American Standard Bible, New International Version, and the New English, New English Translation. And specifically, the New American Standard Bible is the 1995 version, correct? That's what you Yeah, that's what this one is. Have. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what I almost always have up. I uh, wanted to thank uh, some of the followers, actually. You guys have been fantastic. Uh, specifically, we, we had um, a question out, like, what's your favorite passage or your favorite go-to? And uh, Anna came through and uh, gave us some answers, which was really awesome. Um, I'll read it on the air next time. Wasn't really prepped for that. We didn't really go over that in the, in the you know, unlive pre-show. Uh, so I didn't want to drop that on you, Josh, too quick. But okay. it was in the back of my mind. It just didn't come out my face. Uh, anyway. Coming out of your face is usually pretty important. <laughs> uh, generally speaking, yeah, yeah. Communication is key. Uh, so anyway, Ruth, right? Yeah. Uh, last time we uh, we were live and last time we spoke to you guys, uh, we had randomly pulled the book of Ruth. And there's a lot, like I said and like Josh said, you know, there's a lot to unpack in Ruth, and it's uh, very difficult to to really understand just from a little bit of, of the chapter that we read. Uh, I believe you made it all the way through chapter one, right? Yeah, the, there just didn't seem to be a good stopping point before we got to the end of chapter one. Yeah. But I kind of like it because it, it, it kind of tells the uh, the story of Naomi here in the beginning, setting it up. Yeah, so, so it's uh, it's really cool. Um, I guess we'll go... We'll go right into the slides that we have prepared. I think you're you're gonna like it, but um, do you want to start with the chapter reading first? I think we. Uh, okay, you want me to read the whole chapter again? I think you were you were wanting to, so I think right. we should. All so right, we'll go into so, Logos. All right, so Ruth chapter one. Now it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to so- sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. And the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Mahalon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem in Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They took for themselves Moabite women as wives. And the name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. Then both Mahalon and Chilion also died. And the woman were bereft of her two, and the woman was bereft of her two children and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return to the land of Moab, for she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited His people in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was, and her two daughter-in-laws with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, "Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you." as you have dealt with the dead and with me. 
May the Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you from me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And when they had come to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred because of them. And the woman sa- women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought it me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has witnessed against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and with her Ruth, Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So that's where we left off on our first reading. That's where the Holy Spirit put us. That's uh, what we read. And uh, I was speechless because, I'll be honest, you know, when it comes down to it, Ruth is, is a four-chapter book um, tucked at kind of what the, the first kind of fifth of the Old Testament-ish. Yeah, yeah written like after that. Judges, yeah. And, uh, you know, I didn't really have much to say. And if you go back and you watch the old episode, you'll probably see me like uh, deer in the headlights type moment of my <laughs> goodness, what are we getting? Like, what are we doing? Oh, you had no idea. <laughs> no, I didn't, but now I do, uh, which is the the beauty of study. Um, so, I, I guess it's it's good to kind of give a little bit of, of background. And uh, your notes, Josh, you had uh, some really cool stuff um, about like when it was, uh, you know, what was happening, that kind of thing. So, I'm going to go in. Um, did these slides here? Let me look and find specifically where I want to be right here. All right. So looking at Ruth, um, and these are these are your notes, Josh. In the days when judges governed, uh, these are dark days in the history of Israel, and they're characterized by the last phrase of the book in Judges, which is "Everyone did what was right in his own eyes." We'll pop that up real quick on the screen for you guys to see it. It's literally right there. So if you look right above where it says the book of Ruth, the sons of Israel departed from there at that time, every man to his tribe and family, and each one of them went out from there to his inheritance. In those days, this is verse 25, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Sound familiar? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we... uh, we don't recognize that we have a king. We recognize that we have, uh, well, let's not get into politics. No, but but we do live in a society where people, not only do they, everyone do what was right in their own eyes, but we 
we define what is right with our own eyes, it seems, sometimes. We do. As a culture. We do. Yeah. Very much so. What, what makes us feel better is generally always considered what is correct. What is good, yeah. Um, I, I hear it all the time. My truth rather than God's truth, which is unfortunate. Right. Because uh, those two should align very, very well. Uh, so anyway, getting into um, into the chapter one, a little bit of, of uh, a little bit of sadness, a little bit of travel. Um, it was uh, it was hairy, you know. So we've got actually uh, some slides up that we want to show you guys. Going through uh, Ruth, it's a redeeming love story in a time of lawlessness, and we've seen uh, hints of that love story where Ruth is clinging to her mother-in-law, does not want to leave her. So you had some really good insight on that. Uh, do you want to get into that now or wait? No, let's, let's, walk, let's walk through it. I think it'll, walk. Yeah, it'll come, it'll come to the right, right place. So looking at where we're at, and you know we like, um, we like being able to see where we are, where we're talking about. It's very important in study. So we're just northeast of Egypt. We're just west of Iraq, and we're looking at Jerusalem right here. Well, actually, we're, we're Bethlehem's right, right outside of like, Jerusalem. Yeah, it's like right here-ish. On the west side, correct? Oh, don't, don't give me the geography. I wasn't um, driving. I'm pretty sure it's on the west side, but if anybody has anything to say about that, leave a comment and correct us. There's nothing wrong with that. We actually welcome it. Um, going into what their travel would have looked like. Now, there's, there's a few different ways to, to go, but looking, going around north... Not exactly um, the kindest of territory. So most likely, according to Logos, they went down south and went around, followed the roads, and went into Moab. Um, at that point in time, Josh, you made this point in our private conversation in the past. You know, uh, I had mentioned they could have potentially just chartered a boat. Uh, but at that time, it was famine. Everybody was starving. Nobody had money. Right. The, the whole reason they're, they're moving is because uh, of how bad things are. So they, they probably don't have the extra money for, for a boat if, if one was available. So right. they're, they're going to take it out on foot. <laughs> so my, my mind immediately went to, what's the easiest way to get to Moab from Jerusalem? Um, down south. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so we'll look at the ideas of Ruth, which is hopelessness, which we've, we've seen a little bit of hopelessness now. You know, Naomi and Ruth know that they're... Uh, going back to Bethlehem, that maybe God has fed them, but what are two widows going to do to, to feed themselves? You've got loyalty, which we've seen, the loyalty of Ruth, right. um, just in like the very first chapter, which is amazing. You have provisions, which we'll get into, a bright future, and security. Mm -hmm. uh, so first we'll start. Hopelessness. Yeah, we'll get into hopelessness. If this slide would change, come on, do it. There we go. Yep. So we, so we'll start. Famine and fear of starvation. This is why the family is moving on from Bethlehem. They think they're going to greener pastures at Moab. Uh, and one thing I want to look at, you had the notes in the slide earlier, but we went by fast. But I, it's okay, I got them over here. Right. Is who, who is this family? We got the father Elimelech, and his name means God is King. Then we have the mother Naomi, and her name means pleasant. And she's, she's going to play with her name, you know, meaning of her name before the end of this chapter. And then we have Malan. His name means sickness or sickly. And as we see, he lived up to his name. Yeah. And his brother Chilion was named Wasting or Wasting Away. And again, they kind of live up to their name. 
So we got this famine, their the, the fear of starvation, and this motivates them to move on to green pastures. Um, but why did the famine come? Well, God promised it. Why did he promise it? Because <laughs> they weren't listening. Yes. In uh, Deuteronomy 11, uh, verses 13 to 17, God basically, I think speaking through Moses, speaks, makes a promise that when you're in the land, if you worship me, if you follow these commandments, there will always be rains. Uh, but if you worship other gods, God will shut up the skies and it will not rain and there will be famine. So this is a sign of, of God's judgment uh, showing that the worship of other gods has caused this to come to bring people back to the worship of God, not to drive them to Moab. God had delivered them from the desert. This is them taking the path back to where God had delivered the children of Israel earlier in the Exodus. Right. So, And they, uh, they left. They left their homeland. Yes. Rather than, everything. rather than sticking around. And you know, from everything that we can tell, they weren't uh, worshiping other gods. Naomi seemed, and Elimelech, seemed to have been raising them in the right way. Um, but still, they, they well, had Well, the right way, them. except for when God sends famine, let's, let's go someplace else. <laughs> Which is a natural human emotion and reaction, uh, I'll say. But what I got stuck on is, like, their names. Could you imagine? You know, come here, sickly. Come on. <laughs> let's go to the park. Like, no. You, you want to name your child something nice, but that's the... The time that they lived in. And well, that's better that's than what the names they did. Of, of Hosea's children. Uh, I know we already did Hosea. That was earlier. But we didn't talk about his children. Like, I not didn't. mine and not loved. Yeah. So. Yeah, those those were, yeah. Let's move on. Cause that's God, even God often uses the names of children to, to, to teach a lesson. So Well, and that's that's their naming convention as well, um, is they, they pick names that meant something, you know, right. for the time, meant something to the family and um, I will not name any weird names that I've heard in the past, like, I don't know, 10 years, because I know I'm going to end up offending somebody. Yes. So. Um. <laughs> but I haven't heard anyone named uh, Malan and Chilion, so no sickly or wasting, so we're okay there. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to name my uh, never-going-to-happen fourth child that. Right. I, I promise. Uh, anyway, moving on. Yes. We're going to go back into slides. And so they're far from home. Yes. They've traveled... I looked at uh, maps, and it's what fifty miles direct east. If you were to fly, yeah, that, that's if you if you took your boat path and you could just walk straight across mountains. Yes, yeah. but it's going to take a lot longer than that to get there. And and Naomi, and this is another thing that really stood out to me is Ruth was clinging onto her because Ruth knows if Naomi's going back to Bethlehem and she's doing it alone. Well, I will say the walk to Moab was a lot better than the walk back. Because it was mostly Jerusalem. yeah, it was mostly downhill on the way to Moab <laughs> and mostly uphill on the way back. Uh, yeah, they didn't have bicycles, as far as we know. Yeah. Um, we're looking at death and loss. You know, this is much more serious. Naomi had uh, experienced a lot of loss, even beyond what uh, Ruth and, and Orpah had. Um, we'll uh, cover that. Right, and in the scripture, it appears that Elimelech dies before the boys are married. Uh, Josephus tells us that Elimelech was the one who arranged the marriage. So we don't know at what point in the 10 years did the, the right. dad died and the boys died, but we know the boys died towards the end. They've been married for a while. 
But uh, clearly, it's unimportant based on what the Holy Spirit is telling us. You know, right, right. The Bible here, but um, it's it's one of those rabbit holes that you can get into and just kind of think about and be like, okay, well, what was the timeline? Yeah, but after ten years, Naomi in the land of Moab now has no husband, has no sons. Uh, there's no heir to her husband's name. Uh, she has two daughter-in-laws, and that's it. You know, and and but but everything she came with is gone. Yeah, except ultimately her faith seems to you know be wavering a little bit. But she also doesn't she doesn't give up on God and teaching her family, her her daughters in law about God, right. uh, as as is evident where Ruth is saying, "My God will be your God." Well, how did Ruth, a Moabitess, learn intimately about? God enough to say, I will follow your God now. At least some representation of faith was, was shown from Naomi for Ruth. Well, I, I think as we walk through, this, the, through chapter one, we're going to see the faith of Naomi um, as she goes through this tragedy, not dwindling, but, but, but growing. Mm-hmm. Even, in the, even though things look bleak and things, uh, it, it seems to bring back a return to her faith that yeah. The walking to Moab kind of seemed like, like a, a turning a, turning their back on God. And we'll find better places rather than the promised land. And her coming back to that promised land, even if she comes back bitter, even if she comes back childless and lost everything, uh, it, it seems that her faith is still intact. Right. Even though both of them, all three of them, ultimately um, are experiencing a massive amount of loneliness. They don't have their... Well, Naomi doesn't have her friends, but over the course of 10 years in a different city, you're going to make new friends. And at the same time, um, your daughters-in-law, they're going to have their own family friends. So, But they're still lonely. They don't have their husbands anymore, and they don't really have anywhere to turn and tell Naomi, here's about God feeding his people. Yeah. So had God forgotten? And the answer was no. In verse 6, um, she rose with two daughter-in-laws that she might return from the land of Moab, for she had heard in the land of Moab the Lord had visited his people. Visited. Giving them food. Yeah, so God had not forgotten. It appears the famine had done its job. The people had turned back to worshiping God, and God was now blessing his, his people in their land again. And it's it's really important, too, and you, you pointed this out before we hit uh, the live button. It's important to look at the word visited and understand it. When um, when you think about visited, it's not how we normally think of God in a passing everyday fashion of, oh, yeah, God's with me. Um, you know, Jesus is standing next to me or I've got the Holy Spirit. It's they really treated God as if he was physically present with them, which is right there in, in the book. Right. And it's the truth. And it gives you a better outlook. The more that you pray over it, the more that you study on it and think about it, just that one little word is, it resonates through your entire body and, and mind of he is here. Because the text could easily have said he, he blessed his people and sent them food or he blessed his people with the rain and the, and the harvest was good. Because he had in the past. Right, I but mean, it, was, it, it seemed it like you said there was, there was a physical presence of, of, of God with his people uh, when he blessed them. Uh, it was like he was physically with them. 
I mean, the tabernacle is there, right, and the ark and such. But it, his blessing was like his physical presence was with them. And what better way for us to think about it as well? You know, in today's standards, we are his temple, and to think that he's not present with us, even when we're experiencing, you know, a week or a month or a year or whatever of absolute agony. These ladies had spent ten years without God showing His provision. Right. So, hi. Moving on on that, looking at. Oops, sorry, switching between a bunch of little windows. Uh, we're looking at loyalty, the loyalty of Ruth. Right. We get we get to the probably the most famous part of the whole book of Ruth, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Starts with a promise. Right. You know. Your people, don't urge me to leave you and turn back following you for where you go, I will go. And I'll have to flip my page back on the Bible. (laughs) It's windy. Yes. Uh, And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. Now, one interesting thing as I was reading it through this time, and it it really popped out at me, and I think this gets lost as the story is told. When they were making their way back all the way to verse 6, the three of them were moving back to Bethlehem. Right. And you know, Orpa and Ruth had, but were both following her. We, Ruth gets all the credit, in, in, but at the beginning, they were all. The plan was for all three of them to move back. They were a family unit, and they were moving back as a family unit. And they were having a very intimate moment. They were all crying, you know, very, very upset because they knew what was ahead of them. Well, that's when Naomi tells them go back, and then yeah. they start crying and falling down. And no, we're not going to do it. Right, we're going to follow you. She says it the second time. Orpah kisses her and goes, and then this is where Ruth makes. I mean, we were talking about this earlier. It, I don't think it was Ruth was making a promise. I think Ruth was reiterating the promise she had made. Uh, just because you release me from this responsibility as your daughter-in-law, as part of your family, just because you're telling me to do what is wise in the eyes of the world, no, I made a vow before God, and I'm going to keep it. Right, right, and. It's really important not to put Orpa in a bad light, but to study on what she did and what her decision was. And we see that a lot of times where uh, we try to be like Ruth, but we end up more like Orpa, where we feel that we can do it alone or we can do it without God. And that's, to me, in, in reading this and studying on this and praying on this, is it, it came to me that Orpah is almost like the people that say, I can do it without God. I'll be just fine without. And we don't know anything more about Orpah. She's not mentioned anywhere else, as far as I know. In the Bible. Get right. There's um, some other interesting stories about her, but we don't know how truthful those are. But she just, she just kind of goes off into nothingness. Right. As far as this story of redemption goes, Orpah's part in it is over. And that's kind of the sad part. You said we, we shouldn't look too down on her, but as Naomi says, she returned back to her people and her gods. So her turning back was her turning her back on Yahweh. Yeah, and don't misunderstand me in saying that Naomi is, is who she needed to follow for redemption. Um, she was just a, a little bit of a vessel uh, in going back to Bethlehem, going back to God. And she had a choice, which we all do, and she chose the opposite path. Fine and, for and, she, and the path she chose was a path that was urged to her by a wise person in her life. Yeah. Uh, and probably the most godly person she knew. 
Uh, it was a path that, in the eyes of the world, made the most sense. What does Naomi have to offer? She, you know, there's no more, there's no more sons to be had. Uh, Naomi says, may you find rest in the home of your husband. So she's encouraging the, the, the girls to go back and be remarried. Give them a blessing. Yeah. It, yeah. May, may the Lord bless you in, in this sense. So, so the decision Orpah makes is from a worldly point of view made most sense. And it was the counsel of, of a wise, godly person. But turning your back on Yahweh to worship other gods is never a wise choice. That's why they were in Moab to begin with. Uh, of course, you know, Orpah was already there, but whatever. Um, so going into no longer being alone, right? These two, these two now two ladies are going to be traveling together, and they have someone to rest with and feel safe with, and they're returning home. They're going back to a land that Ruth had never visited, as far as we know. There's no indication that there no. was ever any travel back to Bethlehem. Yeah, there was, there was very very unlikely a Moabitess would have gone to the land of Israel. Uh, and we see when, we, when, when Naomi gets back, the, the town's excited. You know, she'd be on her way for 10 years. Everyone would know, and, and who is this woman? And uh, is it Naomi? And she's like, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. The Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Yeah. And But I think what we see here is she understands that the circumstances in her life are uh, are God fulfilling promises uh, when you turn your back on me? When you th- Even though her life had been bitter at this point, she had lost so much, it doesn't appear she blamed God. You know, the bitterness was God was bitter with me, and there was a reason he was bitter with me. She didn't run away from God, and now she ran back to God right? and brought Ruth back with her. And I, I, would, I would think, you know, in her, in her heart of hearts, in the middle of the night, she would think had her running away from her homeland, running away from uh, everything that she had prior been blessed with, even before the famine, was that ultimately the reason why her husband and her sons were dead? And I know as, as a dad, I would think that something I did caused that kind of tragedy. So getting kind of deeper into Naomi's well, psyche. With her saying, call me Mara, I, I, I think that, that that line of thinking is not out of place here at all. Yeah. Uh, in, in line with her, you know, what is she thinking here? It, that appears exactly what she's thinking along those lines anyway. So I guess now we are at the end of chapter one. And so... So yeah, chapter one of study, <laughs> it was kind of a study in, in Naomi, a woman who, who with, with her husband and, and family runs away from God, but in the end runs back to God, realizing that the answer was in God and, and as you read the book of Ruth, you see God's going to richly bless her. But um, there's there's much more to the story along the way, isn't there? Uh, there very much is. And she still had a home there, um, which we'll see. But, uh, you know, we talked about just doing chapter one, and it's really difficult to understand what Ruth is all about, why it is where it's at, what kind of promise it makes to us. Uh, for our salvation until you get to um, maybe chapter three. I mean, there's hints of it in chapter two, but chapter three is really where it hits off. Of yeah, I think chapter two kind of sets up chapter three. Yeah, yeah, for, along with the story of, of God's provision. Yeah. So. so we've decided to just go ahead and cover all of Ruth, 
and that way we can get it behind us. And if we pull Ruth again, then that means we probably didn't cover it to the fullest extent <laughs> that we needed to, and that's just the way God works. Uh, well, is is um, quickly as we're going to go through it, if we pull Ruth again, I'm sure we can pull some more stuff out of it. Oh, dude. A little more in depth. I, I would, I, you know, there's a lot. You just That word visited kills me. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, so with that being said, we're going to be going into provisions. Oh, that was a word I just used, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, sneaky. It's almost, well, you didn't actually see the slide. It was hidden. No, you had the slides down, but I, yeah. thought it, I thought it might be provision. Got big it. multi-screen. It's always God's provision. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to go into Logos again. And instead of reading word for word uh, the chapters, because we there's there's too much. There's too much. Neither of us read fast enough. And we're already almost halfway done with our hour. So... We're going to be kind of running through a, a, a synopsis of what is going on, and we'll give you kind of a, a little bit of a cheat. I think if we read, you know, the the story breaks that have been put in here for our, you know, personal assistance as, right. as people that read the Bible, you know, they're all uh, the two ladies are now back at home, uh, Naomi's home, and uh, Naomi has told Ruth to go get us some food. And uh, so we're looking at Ruth gleaning in Boaz's field. We'll talk about Boaz in a little bit. In chapter three, we have what so kind wait, of wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Oh. You use this word glean, and you know all about it because you've been studying the book of Ruth. Yeah. What, what does that mean to glean? Is that rhetorical? You want me to answer? I don't know. I, mean, I, I, I can it answer. Be, it would be a little much to go beyond. Yeah, answer. Yeah, please. I'll go yeah. quick. All right. So in in that time, well, back in what was it, Leviticus, uh, whatever. Yeah, uh, it it was a, a law. It was a welfare law that God set up so there would be no uh, hungry people. You know, His people would not go hungry. So because yeah, remember, we're talking about Ruth and and Naomi, who are two widows. Yep. They there's no way for them to be gainfully employed. There there's no way for them to put food on the table. Yep. But Luckily, you look at the end of chapter one, they came back at the beginning of the barley harvest. So they've come back right at time for harvest, Perfect. right when food's going to be ready. Which okay. is, again, God's provision. Yeah, and, and, and the Lord is providing you know plenty to his food, so there's, there's a, it's a harvest of plenty this time. Yeah, so um, the, the law was set up, welfare law, uh, poor individuals, poor families, widows, they could go behind the harvesters, and the harvesters themselves were not allowed to bend down and pick up the things that they drop. Their um, deeper reading, and correct me if I'm wrong, there were certain areas of the field that were to be passed over. Uh, All the edges, yeah. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. the edges had to be passed over, so again, the poor could come and, and grab food. Um, and we even see a part of this in Jesus and his disciples at one point where they pull some grain down and, and yep. start eating it on the Sabbath. And uh, the Pharisees like to make a point because it's the Sabbath, not because they were taking grain out of a field that wasn't theirs. And it was, I, I wish, I wish he would have, he didn't, I wish he would have been able to just look at him and say, I am the Sabbath because. Well, Hebrews hadn't been written yet, so. I know, but. but anyway, so that's the idea of gleaning. Gleaning <laughs> was a way. For, for poor people, uh, in this case widows, to be able to get, gather at harvest time, to be able to gather their own food, even though they, they don't have land, they don't have a, a field. It, it's the stuff that's dropped, it's the extra, it's the waste, yep. it would be the stuff that would just fall through the cracks, but now it goes to the, those poor individuals. Yeah, and they couldn't be harassed. You know, they they no. couldn't be <laughs> exactly treated poorly. They were allowed. Um, 
So that's what Ruth was doing. And she just so happened, just so happened to end up in Boaz's field. We'll learn a little bit more about Boaz quickly. Uh, well, in, in a little bit. Um, but Boaz is going to be a redeemer to Ruth. It's going to fulfill God's provision. I think we kind of probably just need to stop there. We're getting, uh, that's getting a little ahead. Well, no, uh, this is right. Naomi, at the end of chapter three, right here, it says it. See, Naomi said to her, oh, yeah, Donald, he's yeah. one of our closest relatives. Yeah. Hmm. It's kind of missing the point. You want to come back to that? I, I want to come back to it. Why yeah. don't you come back to the importance of it? All right. So we'll, we'll go, we'll go quick. I promise. All right. So in chapter two, they're back home. They need food. They need something to eat. And uh, Ruth is introduced to the law of gleaning, which is a very decent chance that she already knew about it, but here we go. Um, Naomi can't do it. She's too old. And so Ruth goes into a field and begins to glean. And just so happens that she ends up in a rich man's field. And uh, the rich man, well, she caught his eye. Mm -hmm. She's a Moabitess, and apparently at that point, uh, Moabite women were, were very attractive. And so there's this really pretty lady out in the field gleaning, and Boaz asks his, uh, asks his people to, to go get her, calls her over, and they have a conversation. Uh, do you want to quickly grab a little bit of that, that conversation? I guess so. It's uh, 8, uh, verse 8. Okay, that's uh. Then Boaz said to Ruth, "Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field with which they reap, and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from the, where the servants draw." Yeah. And then, you know, she obviously is... And she wants to know, why have I found favor in your sight that you're bowing? Or, or why have I said that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? And you replied to her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Beautiful. Yep. That is a blessing and a promise. So Ruth is just like surrounded by blessings and promises. Like she's a real lucky lady. Right. And I think it's here Boaz is, it recognizes that you left your land, you left your people to come here and, and may God bless you for that. You've treated Naomi properly. You're taking care of her and may God bless you. And, and, and Boaz here sees himself as a conduit to be God's blessing to Ruth, in honor of what she's doing, in honor of how she's honoring God, he turn around and wants to honor her. Right. But the story has much more than that. <laughs> Very much. Uh, so, um, switch back over. Looking at, let's see, 14. Verse 14, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here that you may eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he served her roasted grain, and she ate and was satisfied and had some left. When she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servants, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not insult her. 
even among the sheaves, the stuff that they've gathered, she's okay to take a little bit of. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you shall purposely pull out for her some grain for the bundles and leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. Quite literally telling his people, give this woman whatever she needs. Um, so she gleaned in the field until evening, then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Now, ephah, it's a dry volume equivalent of a bath. Well, Josh, what's a bath? <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't really know. It's not a dry, baths aren't dry, are they? No, and our bath is, you know, not, not big. So I don't know. I mean, one woman carrying that. I'm sure somebody out there knows. I looked it up. It was very difficult to find a unit of conversion that would answer that question reasonably. But let's just say that she was able to carry it. Yeah, she was able to carry it. But it seems to be, when, when uh, Naomi sees it, she's kind of surprised about how much she got from gleaning. Yeah, because she knows she's only out there to glean. Like They're going to be eating pretty leanly, um, not to... to uh, put a funny on it but she knows she's probably not going to be coming back with a lot and Naomi was like you said surprised overjoyed um she puts a blessing on Boaz and uh tells Ruth that he's our relative and he's one of our closest relatives which doesn't really mean anything to us or Ruth at this point That's going to be delivered in chapter 3. Naomi, uh, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now is not Boaz our kinsman, and whose maids you were, or with whose maids you were? Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Let's quickly stop. You want to go over winnowing? Sure, the winnowing of the grain, how that took place is, uh, you would go out to a windy place, it's a place where you would uh, separate the chaff from the barley, the chaff being the useless parts. Uh, for all us non-farmer people, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> but basically, when you, when, you, when you harvest the grain, there's a part you can use, and the, the outer husk, or it's, it's not usable. So often you, you beat it with flails, and then you throw it up in the air. Uh, I remember living in Kenya, we did see this a little bit to an extent, but not to the extent we'd see here, uh, with, with, mostly with, with their maize. Um, they beat it out and throw it up and get rid of the, the stuff because the grain is heavier. It'll fall back down. The chaff, chaff is, and that's why you want to use a windy place, kind of like back here. That, this would be really good. This would be a good threshing floor. Yeah. Hopefully you're um, not getting too much feedback yeah, so, on that So one. that was the, the, yeah, that was the winnowing, the, the process is now that the harvest has come in, they've gathered it. It's towards the end now. So what they're going to do is they're going to, to get the part that's useful and, and get rid of the, the part that's not useful. And then the chaff would be burned up. They had all, all kinds of uh, other uses. Fed to other animals, yeah. you know, yeah. fed to livestock. Mm-hmm. Um, there is many sermons built after chaff and barley. Yes. Um, oh, Jesus uses example a few times, too. Yeah, yep. we're not, we're not going to get into it because we're, we're going to try to stay on subject. But, man, there's a lot. So if people think this, you know, the Old Testament is just a bunch of old stories, um, poof. I'm well, sorry. Well, they are old stories, but there, there's a lot more to them, though. Yeah. They're like like this story of Ruth. It's more than just a love story, huh? It's true, as we're finding out. Yeah. Uh, so, going back in uh, to Logos. Um, my note here on this, and we're going to we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna kind of go uh, into something that is a little controversial, 
um, and it's only controversial by today's standards. Um, but quickly, we'll, we'll switch over into uh, my notes here. So we'll go into the slides. She has a place of shelter. This is from you know God's provisions. The kinsman redeemer is now revealed. And they're full in word and deed. And this is, you know, we're kind of skipping a little bit ahead. But uh, what's important is when you're reading the Bible, putting it in current context can sometimes be difficult. Because the Bible wasn't written in the current context. Right. And there's a lot of there's a lot of meaning behind everything that happens. So we'll go in and we'll we'll just quickly read what Naomi tells Ruth to do, which is essentially wait until night after Boaz had had a couple drinks and fell asleep at his massive harvest, and he was sleeping next to his harvest, probably with his head facing it, and that way he could see to it that nobody would go in and steal any of his stuff. Um, Ruth was told to sneak in under the cover of night, making sure that nobody knew that she was there, and she was told to well really it says uh, do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking so don't let Boaz know you're there yeah well so it's, it's not like that nobody else knows she's there right that's true okay I'll give you that I'll give you that do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking all right so, so yeah, in other words Naomi wants him to fall asleep first right um so when Boaz uh skipping over to verse seven when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. Now, 2023, that sounds... What did she uncover? Feet. Just feet. Nothing else. Um, so it happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled and bent forward, and behold, a woman was laying at, lying at his feet. Um, and of course, you know, he was startled. There's, to me, there's, there's two different ways that this can happen. If you've ever uncovered your feet in the middle of the night, there, there's two scenarios. One, you did it intentionally, and, and you're happy, or the other is, like, your your feet are freezing, and you're wondering what in the world happened. Um, so, it, you know, to me, it's just kind of funny. He wakes up in the middle of the night. In my mind, I'm like, man, my feet are cold. And he looks down, and there is a woman laying at your feet, which is real strange. Yeah. You have a thought. I see it. Go for it. No, it's a strange thought. It's where you go. You, I think you labeled this a misunderstood passage. Is a lot of people want to make a lot out of, well, feet in in this culture means other. In other words, feet. She uncovered his feet. That's what she uncovered. Yeah. So, and and this again, we're kind of skipping ahead because in the um, uh, in in the slides that we had prepared, it's uh, important to talk about, you know, the provisions. But we also have kind of a, a little bit of a skip here because I wanted, personally wanted the, um, this passage to be talked about a little bit deeper because a lot of people will go in and just misunderstand exactly what's going on. And it's not what you think it is. Well, it's the middle of the night, so it must be sexual in nature. Right. And it ain't. So um, what Ruth didn't realize was this lesson for us... But wait, she uncovered something. It has to be sexual in nature. Oh, well, that's true. I'm sorry, but it's not. Um, so she asks uh, what Naomi does. She, she says to her, she doesn't tell her what to say. 
she says to Ruth before she even goes, he will tell you what to do. And when he wakes up and sees her at his feet and he asks, who are you? She says, I'm Ruth. Uh, and you know, gives a, a bit of an explanation. Mm-hmm. And she says to him, she doesn't even wait for what he's supposed to be telling her. He or she begins to speak to him. Uh, so she says, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid for you are a close relative. Now that is the most misunderstood part. Cover me up. Um, I'm your maid. And it's the middle of the night. Yeah, it's the middle of the night. I can't, anyway. Um, So the important aspect is the hem of the garments in Jewish culture. It was almost like a a last name. It's who you were. It... uh, it, it was it was important. That's why you know ripping off the bottom hem of, of people's garments or ripping garments is such a sign of sorrow. And so for her to say, "Cover your maid, for you are a close relative," my mind immediately goes to, "How in the world does she know to say that?" Unless she knew uh, about Leverite marriage. Well, and, and Naomi had talked to her about him being a redeemer because here in my Bible it has it has a little letter here A and down it says or redeemer. Oh. You're a close relative, so the idea of you being a close close relative is being a redeemer, which would fall in with Leverite marriage. Well, yes. she does allude to my daughter. Shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? So now yeah, well, it's not Boaz. Well, our well back in well, yeah, back in ch- chapter two, this man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Verse twenty. Well, no, uh, also chapter three, verse one. Yeah. It goes straight into it. And then uh, two goes, mm-hmm. now is not Boaz, uh, our kinsman, whose maids you were. Um, but she she spoke instead of listened. So she doesn't take Naomi's command uh, or suggestion. She does what she thinks is right at that point in time. I think divine inspiration. But other people might have other opinions. So... Well, she did say, then he will tell you what you shall do, and, and he will tell her what to do. So it does follow. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, so he makes a promise. Mm-hmm. He said, I am. Um, however, there's another man. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> there's, a, there's another guy that's a little bit closer in relation than I am. And uh, he does something really, really fun. And honestly, I feel like we're probably just going to end up getting away from these slides because at this point in time, we're going off the rails. Uh-huh. Uh, because that slide is like way in the future, so let's just skip it. Okay. The uh, he he gives her six measures of barley, and the the awesome thing about the six measures of barley is Ruth has no idea what he's talking about. Why is this man giving me six measures of barley? But he says Naomi will know what this means, and she does. So this is a sign from Boaz that he's not going to rest until he's put it to uh, or found a solution to redeem both of them, not just Ruth, because um, Naomi is is a widow. She's eventually going to have to sell everything that she owns. Uh, She's going to lose her land, her home. Uh, Is that correct? Well, they've sold the land. They don't have any land. So before Elimelech moved... and. And so this might be a, an important part to put in here so we understand. Go. 
So the part of this kinsman redeemer, what what is a kinsman redeemer? We keep you keep talking about it. What does it mean? So when Elimelech moved away, he sold the land. Now in Jewish culture, in our culture, when you buy land, you get a deed, you sign it, it's yours, and it's yours in perpetuity. You decide what to do with it. You decide who will inherit it from you, and all that. In Jewish culture, every fifty years, the land goes back to who it's owned. You can, you know, you, you only, it's a, it's a way of keeping it in the families. So what a kinsman redeemer, so when you sold a piece of land, one thing you would do is there would be rights of redemption, how the land could be redeemed by the family. The idea, because this is the, the, Israel is the land that God has promised and given to the Israelites. So it is their land. So how do you keep the land in the family? So, so when a land was sold, there was ways to redeem it. Right. And, and, and to meet that, you know, it, it was, you pay this much or, or whatever the arrangement has to be to, to redeem the land. So th- that's what we're looking at. And a, a kinsman redeemer would be the closest one. Now, what Leverite marriage comes there's two things at play here. Yes. A Leverite marriage is, is when a man died uh, and he left his wife childless. If he had a brother or closest relative, they would marry that bride, that, that woman. And the first son born is actually the... Um, heir of the, the the husband that died. So it was a way of continuing the family line. Uh, the second child then could be yours, but the firstborn will be, would, would belong to the, the former husband. Right. Which would be a close relative of yours. Uh, we remember in, in the story of Jesus and, and the Sadducees, the woman who had married seven brothers. This goes along that lines. So what you're having here is with redemption and love right marriage together. Right. Um, it's, a, it's a double save. Yes. Double save. And this is also why I like having two people um, here because I don't think Elimelech sold his land before because in chapter 1, verse 1, I think it's verse 1, it says they went to sojourn or sojourn in Moab. Yes. Sojourn means temporary. Yes, it does. Mean, no, 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 no. But you see, here's the idea of redemption. If Elimelech sells his land under their ideas of redemption, what, what he would do is... Now we're really getting to Revelation. So I'm going to go up, you know, Revelation. If you want to understand Revelation 5, you got to understand this. Or Jeremiah. Jeremiah does this too. Are we going to get into breaking the scroll? We're not, are we? No, 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 we're okay, not. Okay, but good. this is where it comes from. <laughs> so the idea is on the outside of the, of the scroll when he would sell that land. Because their idea of selling it is not the same as our idea. Because every 50 years it would have to go back to Elimelech's family anyway. Right. So you're really leasing it, the land. So there would be terms to, let's say, break the lease, using our terminology so we can understand in a 21st century uh, American culture. So how he could, so if he's going to sojourn there, if it's bad, he probably didn't get much for the land. It's famine, so there's, there's right. not a whole lot. He's thinking he's going to go sojourn, and sojourn means not to stay permanently. Uh, the plan of Naomi and Elimelech was not to go for a while, but to go for a short time, and it turned into a decade. And the idea probably was we'll gain we'll gain you know money there we'll, we'll make money there we won't it, it's not as bad as here we can come back and get this land for a steal you yeah, know and a, and a late and term it, spoiler report um, didn't he work. dies before he makes any money yeah, so yeah it, keep, it didn't work out it, it's kind of like you know it, it's it's instead of saying we're gonna go to this land and make money. Uh, we ought to say, if the Lord wills it, we'll do that. I'm just throwing some James in there. Uh, you're not uh, wrong, but they didn't know James at the time. Yeah, yeah, no. It hadn't been written yet. But anyway, <laughs> the, but, the, but the principle still applies. Right. So I, I, it doesn't say when the land was sold, but at this point, there's no land. If they sold the land when they got back, times are better. That land, Naomi, there would be no, I think it's sold before they laid, because 
if Naomi came back and she had the land, she would a wouldn't be so bitter. Now she has this land that's worth something, and then she would have had to sold it in between. And this is the first harvest. So the beings, he's redeeming the land, and 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 you get into verse four. It seems like the it's familiar. So I I think it did happen back in chapter one. Okay. So. All right. I'll, I'll buy into that. Okay. I think it fits the story better in chapter yeah, one. Yeah. It's silent about when it happened. I just think it, it fits better in chapter one. Makes yeah. more sense. Sorry. It's, it's a rabbit hole. We've been doing that all day. There's lots of rabbit holes here. It really is. Um, where were we? Oh, the six measures of Arlie. Here's the really cool part. What else took six days? And then what happened after those six days? You rested. Who? God. What? So is Boaz God? No. But is he acting as someone that can save? Yes, he is. Interesting. Yes. There's somebody else we know that's like that. But maybe we'll get into that at the very end. Yeah, I think so. Okay, all right. I don't know who it is. You guys, it's Jesus. Um, so moving on, um, Naomi is, is beside herself. She is very happy because at this point in time, uh, when uh, Ruth comes back with these six measures of uh, grain. So, so let's just make it. The six measures of grain wasn't to pay for the uncovering in the middle of the night? No. Okay. No, it wasn't. I'm trying to. I'm, but wait, I'm, wait. No, I'm no, pulling no, 2023 Aaron yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm popping uh, Jewish, Jewish uh, 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 judges time Aaron and nothing happened. So then why did he say in verse 14, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor? He wants to keep it secret. Why? Mainly... Because he doesn't want um, to lose his ability to redeem. Oh, because there's another guy. Yeah, there's another oh, guy. He oh, we want to skipped tell over that part. I almost got there, and then we got on a rabbit hole. My bad. Oh, I thought you said something. I didn't um, see it. Oh, no, I did say there was another man. Dun, dun, yeah. dun. That's what I said. Okay. Yeah, you, did. you read it. I think you read it. That's <laughs> why. You didn't say it. Oops. You read it. Um, so... What does Boaz do? Well, he doesn't rest. He doesn't give up. He goes and he finds the dude. He takes 10 no, no, of the... Wait, wait, uh, no, 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 no. Stop, I think you, you stopping. Get, let's, look, let's look at verse 4. I mean, chapter 4. All right, it, go. It's not he goes and finds the dude. It's how he finds the dude. It, Boaz is a pretty important guy here. It says, he went to the gate and sat down there. Now, the gate is a place in, in this time and culture. That's where the elders met. That's where government... We would think of more of like city hall... Then we would uh, a gate of people come. See, we think of the gate. That's where people come in and out, yeah. uh, and that's where the dumb guards are always put because people can sneak in, right? Sorry, guards. Yeah, I mean it's movie trope. But really, the gate is a place where the, where where the city government sits. This is where the elders sit. This is where um, business happens. This is this is more of like a city hall. Do you because think people Boaz are coming in and out? Mayor? Is that what you're saying? I don't know that they had mayors, but Boaz is an important guy. I, I'm thinking Boaz <laughs> is definitely among the elders in the land. Somebody, he does tell yeah. Ruth, he does say that um, back to that floor midnight thing, he, you know, be blessed are you for not going after younger men. So he's, he is a little older. He does. Poor yes. or rich. Yeah. Poor or rich. Yeah. As yeah. long so as may, they're good so looking. Maybe, yeah. Maybe there's somebody richer than him. I don't know. But anyway, so he goes, he sits at this gate, and when he sees the man, he says, friend, sit down. The guy listens to him. And he takes 10 men of the elders of the city and tells them to sit down, and everybody listens to Boaz. Yeah, we're looking at verse 2 right here. Yeah, he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. And he does this because he wants witnesses. He wants to see, like I said, this is a place of business for the for the elders to do. This is city business. And he, he wants witnesses for what's about to happen so everyone knows. 
there's no I you know and and, and I think that's why he wanted the, the Ruth being gone a secret yep uh, um, they didn't want any plotting he just wanted to come straight out tell the guy the way this is let, let him make a decision and let everyone see he's not coerced uh, there's nothing happening behind the scenes yep. here uh, he had a choice to make and he made it and Boaz is ultimately being a little sneaky but he's not being dishonest. How is he being sneaky? Well, he's being sneaky because he doesn't want the uh, he doesn't want anybody to to know about what went on that night. Why not? Did something happen? I don't. Know. It's getting long in the tooth. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll give it up now. But you started it. It's um, feet. The word's feet. Okay. His feet in Hebrew. This this was Hebrew at the time. Uh, still is, but whatever. Um, it does not translate into something else. All those people out there that like feet. It's just feet. Okay. That's the last I'll mention it. All right. All right. So going on to what happens in in chapter four, so with with, with at the gate here, Mm -hmm. we've got the man sitting down who's the closer relative. We've got 10 elders because 10, uh, it would appear this is what needs to be done in the business. When they have synagogues, there would have to be 10 men, 10 witnesses. It appears this is an important number to to the Jews here. And so he says, um, he says the closest relative... Verse 3, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, which everyone knows about, had to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And that's why you think it happened. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oops. So I thought to, to inform you, saying, buy it before those who are sitting here and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know, for it is there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am after you. So he's telling the guy, look, there's a choice you're first up to redeem it. She, you know, it, it, it's, it, the land has been sold. It's eligible to redeemed. And the guy's like, yeah, that was a good piece of land. I, I, I'll redeem it. And then Boaz is all <coughs> like, well. Well, this is where you think he's being sneaky. Yeah. On the day you buy the field from the land, hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. It's like ordering something awesome from Amazon. And then realizing that you have to pay shipping, and it ruins the deal. Well, I mean, isn't isn't I mean, Boaz desired Ruth, so Ruth doesn't seem to be undesirable. No, no, no. I'm I'm saying the guy, the closest relative, Boaz didn't want to say, "Oh, by the way, you also get this." He was getting him on board, and then wanted to say, "Oh, by the way, it also has to come with this." It's a two-part deal it's not just a redemption of land it is also and well the point is is you're going to redeem the land but there is a descendant of Elimelech the son the Mm -hmm. wife you you have to marry her so that your firstborn becomes the heir of Elimelech yep so basically Boaz is playing chess a little bit here right to to me well he's giving all of the information and once he does we see the answer um in verse six can I find verse 6? It's uh, right in between 5 and 7. I know. There you go. The closest relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself. Because, we don't know why. No, he says because. That's the next word, because. Oh. I would jeopardize my own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself. You may have my right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. And we are officially out of time. All right, guys. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, And he removed his sandal. He did. Because and, that was the custom of the day. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there's so much. More feet. Oh, yeah. oh man. See? 
I'm pretty sure it means sandal, though. And it's yeah. sandal. The yeah. the whole thing was you take you take off the sandal, and then the lady's supposed to spit in your face, and uh, it's the whole. It's Leviticus, right? Uh-huh. It's it's in Leviticus. Go read Leviticus. We'll we'll link it, and we'll we'll show like Leverite marriage. We'll we'll show kinsman redeeming and all that other stuff because it's super important to understand what these uh, traditions are, what these rules were. Uh, at the time, because they just don't really mean anything. Oh, cool! The guy took off a sandal. Why? Yeah, I don't know. Well, if you read about it, you'll know why. And it uh, it has a lot deeper meaning than just taking off your sandal. Uh, so, anyway. So, did Naomi get any grandchildren out of this? A couple. Yeah. Uh, one in particular that was really cool, uh, and we'll go in and uh, slap this here and i mean you'll see it right here the line of david began here who's david again that would be david the king of israel so the king is back so so the boaz of the king yeah boaz and ruth have a son named obed obed has a son named jesse jesse has the name a son named david the youngest so we see here that naomi she comes back she wants to be called mara the lord has dealt bitterly with her a life hasn't been so great for her when she didn't rely on God. But now that she's put her faith in God, now that he provided a redeemer for her land and such, but uh, she had grandchildren, and one of her great-great-grandchildren turns out to be the greatest king that Israel would ever have. And now, well, I'm sorry, would have to date. That's true, yeah. Uh, even though, yeah, he, he came with his own issues. But um, So... Uh, skipping ahead into Matthew, even though it's not really necessary, but if you don't, here's the whole tying it all together in a little triple knot. This is why the book of Ruth is so important. It reignites the bloodline. It reignites the kingship, and it leads us directly to our kinsman redeemer. Yeah, I was going to say, honestly, I think the, the, even the story of Ruth and da- even David's a nice little footnote, but I don't think that's the reason the book of Ruth's in the Bible. Oh. No, I, I don't. I think I think you're leading to the kinsman redeemer. This, yeah. this whole, what is this picture of a kinsman redeemer uh, with uh, redeeming a Gentile woman and such? What, what, is, what, is this, what is this a picture of? Oh, it could very much be Jews and Christians. And? And? Lead me here. What are you getting at? Well, who's the kinsman redeemer? Jesus Christ. Okay. So, and who's he redeeming? Everybody. Yes. That will believe on him or believe in him. Um, And who is able to open the scroll and redeem? John says in Revelation. Chapter 5, he cries because no one's found. And Weeps bitterly. Yes. Right? So the whole book of Ruth, this whole point of, of Boaz and this weird kinsman redeemer, it's all a picture of Jesus. It's all a picture of the work of Jesus. Wrapped up and done. Yes. So we, we could have said that at the very beginning, but we didn't want to. We wanted to go well, you through wanted, You wanted to. I wanted to you gotta so walk through bad. It. You got to walk through it to see it. You, know? you do. And that's where, that's where we you know, got pulled. So uh, we are over time. I apologize. Um, so we're just going to quickly 
Did we ever set a time limit? I don't remember doing that. Uh, I said that it would end around 3.30 Eastern. It's about well, it's an around? hour. You're, you're pretty good. We're oh, around. Okay. Well, it says exactly 2.30 to 3.30, but now we've wasted an additional 20 seconds. So, yeah. uh, so you can cut it out so we can go to the next part. Yeah, probably not. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Ooh, we're not done. You yeah. thought we were done? Yeah, we're audio not magic. Done? No, we're not. This is not even our final form. Uh, so I'm going to pop open uh, Cam and Logos. Because it is time for our newest random act of study. All right. So when you opened it last time, or I opened it last time? You opened it. I read last time. Yeah. So now you. I get to read. Yeah. Let's see what I can come up with. You're cheating. You're looking. I'm I'm not. Whatever. It's fine. Go. I haven't looked in. (laughs) All right. You ready? Yeah, ready. (laughs) Oh, look at that. Towards the end. Um, but I didn't get Revelation. So we're, we're in the book of Hebrews somewhere. Somewhere in Hebrews, we'll find out when Aaron reads. Yeah, let me let me move this over. I'm going to type mm-hmm. in Hebrews uh, 10. No, no, oh, okay. Sorry, Hebrews 1, 10. Well, that's where the page begins. You have to look at a passage. See. That is the passage. That is right. I looked at Oops. and. That was where my eyes threw. But you're in the middle of the passage in there. Yeah? Yeah. Are you questioning? Yep, I am. If it works, I, I think it does. All right, I All think right. it Go does. Ahead. Go ahead. All right, here we go. So, and I'll hold the page down. You read. All right, perfect. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they all will become old like a garment. But to which of the angels has he ever said, "And like a mantle you will roll them up"? Like a garment, they will also be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. Well, what, finish the chapter. Yeah? Yeah, because that's just quotes. Yeah. <laughs> but to which of the angels? All right, yeah. So, see, that's you skipped Oh, did, it. I, did yeah, I skip? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. It's, it's, it's weird. Okay, I'm going to look on the screen instead. So, yeah. sorry, guys. <laughs> I'll start back at 12. And like a mantle, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will also be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, this is where I screwed up, so forget about it, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So what so, do you think we're talking about? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I we're talking about Jesus again. Yeah. Obviously. Oh, it's Hebrews, so that's pretty good. Yeah. Do you guess? Hmm. As soon as I, I, I giggled a little bit because as soon as I, I saw roll up uh, like a mantle, you will roll them up like a garment. They will also be changed. But yeah. you are the same. Um, thinking about the finite nature of creation, even though it was divinely created, it was created with a time limit. It was created with um, replacement in mind. And we're talking that the angels are underneath Jesus Christ and that they are ministering spirits. They are helpers to us. And uh, they are in our service, which puts us also above the angels, which falls Um, in line with how we're going to be the... I think you're going to find a different opinion when we get to this. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. 
you want to hit it, or uh, are we going to stop there? Are we going to stop here? Well, we're going to stop it. I think. We, yeah, we'll just use that. Well, we'll, we'll give give a teaser. Yeah, yeah. No, no. This is this is uh, in Hebrews, uh, the writer, author of Hebrews, which we'll get into in two weeks. Um, mm-hmm. Some say is anonymous, but I don't think he's that anonymous. But we'll look at that. That'll be for two weeks. Okay. Uh, he's comparing Jesus to angels. You're correct there. All right. And he does say for a little while he made him lower than the angels. Now, we will judge angels, and there isn't a thing about that. And so he's starting his argument about Jesus being superior and better, and he starts it off with being superior to angels, and this is where you pick that up. That's why I said it's the middle of a section. Yeah, But we can, as you see, we can find ways to draw that out into a study. No problem next week. Or in two weeks, I'm sorry. Yeah, random random acts of study. It's not uh, random acts of, I don't know, something witty. Just insert witty comment here yeah. so the beauty of this we don't pick it we allow the holy spirit to pick it and he did not pick what i would have picked aaron <laughs> um but you know what i think we can get a really good study out of this that is yeah. the second time you told me that actually i think it was hosea yeah Hosea. yeah when you went for and you were going for psalms too so see that's when we try to find a place we don't get it so yeah we got slapped pretty hard yeah, yeah. no it's fun um but yeah that pretty much wraps it up yes we are currently at 105 um, likes, followers on followers, Facebook. Yes. And uh, what we want with those 105, however many of you listen to this, um, like, comment, share, share the page, do something, and uh, get the word out. Every single person that shares. Don't think that, that you're too little or too small or maybe you only have like two friends on there. Well, that person could have 100 friends or 500 friends or 1,000 or a large group of people that could then hear about what we're doing yeah, yeah. here. Let me, let me jump on a story on that. Because um, this kid actually is a, uh, I could say kid, he's a man now. <laughs> but uh, I used to do uh, youth ministry in, in the last church I was at. And for a while, I, I, we broke off and was doing middle school. And uh, a lot of nights we'd have one kid show up. One kid. Um and it was kind of discouraging at first. And it was like, God said, no, I gave you what you can handle. So a lot of nights, man, the, the lesson that night was done at the, on the basketball court playing horse. And I'd do a lesson while we were playing horse, you know. Fast forward to uh, about a year, year and a half later, and we're running 50 kids. And every one of them I could trace back to that kid, uh, Jared Martin. So, uh which I'm friends with on Facebook now, so I don't know. He might see this one day. Yeah. So, yeah, Jared, that one person, you just never know. You put time into it. Like you said, I don't know. I only have one friend. You never know. You never know. And you yeah. know. So when we were, we were in Mark uh, this morning, right? And Jesus said himself, uh, not your will, or not my will, but your will. Yeah, he didn't say not your will. He said yeah, definitely yeah, he your will. He didn't say the opposite. Yes. Um, and and that, that's you know, what we're, what we're saying. Um, it's not to gain a bunch of followers. We're not interested in our follower count. We're interested in whoever you share it to, whoever's on your page that just so happens to see it, similarly to Ruth just so happening to end up in her kinsman redeemer's uh, field. Um, nothing happens for happenstance. Um, there have been a thousand, thousands and thousands of years of God working behind the scenes. And that would be another situation. Right. That's why we created this. Um, that's why we're interested in seeing it through. That's why we show up every two weeks. And that's why 
you know, we would love to hear your comments, your thoughts. You know, if you have a, a thought on what we've talked about today, if you want to correct us about something or even have a dialogue, make it public. Let us know. We're, we're very interested in even furthering our own knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a perfect place to do it. So we uh, invite you to uh, go through um, and read is it Hebrews 1, uh, 10 through 14, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> don't skip ahead. And don't go backwards, or do I don't know. No, you can. You totally do because actually, yeah. do skip ahead. Do go back. Do go backwards first. A little bit. And do skip ahead. In fact, read the whole book of Hebrews. If you want it's a great book. Um, that's a that's a big ask. But that's kind of, that's kind of the point is you can't just take a group of verses. You got to know the context. You got to put them in their place, and then they'll make a whole lot more sense. Yeah. It's well, that's that's where and and that's why it's important, especially Josh. When you ask me like, what do you think that means? Well, what I think that means out of context is precisely what I said. Exactly. Um, didn't put a spin on it, nothing. That is what comes straight to my mind as soon as I read that. And your immediately uh, immediate response was, I think you're going to change your mind Yeah. once you study. Yep. So um, that being all said, we are um, excited to see you again next time. Yes. We'll see you in uh, two weeks. Yeah, a couple weeks. And uh, we'll play the short outro that I don't think I've played before, but... Well, that way they can turn it off in other countries. I have. Uh, God bless. We'll see you next time.